The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. Today we're going to share with you a little bit different, and uh, someone's going to come and speak to us, because God has lead, laid a, a message on their heart, and, and it's, it needs to come forth, and we need to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches today, right? So when the Holy Spirit puts something in our hearts, it needs to come out. So if you get something on your heart, let us know what, what, uh, is, what is stirring your heart. And maybe God has a message for the body of Christ that might come through you. So this morning, I'm going to invite our sister Sherry Webb to come and share what the Lord has placed on her heart. And when she's done, I'll have a, a few words after that. Thank you, Bill. First, I want to say uh, I am humbled and and um, and honored to be a member of this church and to be in fellowship with uh, the believers. Um, it is uh, definitely a gift of God, not to take lightly. The, I thought when I came into church this morning that I was at the Lutheran church. The first song we sang was, Crown him with many crowns. Yeah, and I felt, oh man, that is my Lutheran song. I always wanted to raise my hand, you know, because I'm in the Lutheran church, we can't raise our hands. We can't praise the Lord, you know. It's tough, so I would just praise him in my heart. And uh, the reason I'm barefooted is because when we come into the sanctuary, we're on holy ground. We invite God to come in. Even before y'all come, we're in prayer, asking the Holy Spirit to come in. And to be a part of us. And to, um, to edify and to give us uh, a word for, for today. Just for you. Just for you. He has a word for you. Today, we're going to thank and praise and be humbled before the Lord. Um, Jared, thank you very much for the music today. Because it was right on key. To my message, as you will listen and find out very soon. Um, today, I want to share about a process, a journey, and a destination. What barriers are hindering us and the will of God in our life? Two, can you identify the idols that are more important to you than doing God's work? Three, then by the power of the Messiah, begin crossing your Jordan. Now, he sang some beautiful songs this morning, and, uh, and it's all about crossing over. Crossing over. We're called out. We're not just to be sitting here in the pew. We're to be called out. We're light and dark places. The Lord, many, many years ago... Um, you know, I'm an old woman. I've got gray hair. Uh, but uh, it's been a long, long time. And uh, I became a Christian in 84. And uh, um, before that, I 
I did not have a relationship with the Lord. I knew the Lord, but there's a total difference in having a relationship with the Lord and having Jesus as your personal Savior. And um, he gave me, um, after, after the fact of whenever I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, he gave me three words, four words, excuse me. And it was a journey, and that's what we're talking about. It's a journey. It's not we get saved and then everything's okay and everything's going. But we have to go through, I had to go through a process. My process was first deception, divorce, deliverance, and the divine life of kingdom living. The... Um, And that's where I learned how to pray for a, my position in prayer is to be in victory, not in non-victory. Uh, I want to read Acts 18 to start before I, before I do anything because I want the Holy Spirit to uh, come from my mouth. Uh, Bill made a, 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 a great uh, comment about the words that we speak, and uh, um, I'll be sharing about that in a few minutes. Acts 18, 9 and 10. He, uh, the Lord was talking to Paul one night, and he says, Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. See, we are a community of believers. So we have a lot of people that are on our side. And that's one of the things that I want to remember. Some of the things that uh, uh, the Lord was laying on my heart was, one of them was, uh, people don't change when they see the light. People change when they feel the heat. And I thought, hmm. I don't know if it's the heat from the Holy Spirit or if it's because of their deception and going, you know, walking in the world. But, but I know for me, uh, it got real hot because I wasn't walking with the Lord. I was walking in the world. I was walking in the world six days a week, and the seventh day I would go to church and, and take communion and ask for forgiveness, and then I'd start all over again. Um, I probably was, uh, um, that's just the way that uh, uh, that it happened. In Joshua 1.5, it says that God, I will be with you, Joshua, to direct, sustain, and, ass and assure success. The word didn't say, uh, maybe, maybe I'll direct you, Joshua, maybe I'll sustain you, or maybe I'll, you know, make sure of success. No, his word is the final word, as we learn in the Bible. His word is all about love. So I want to stand on Joshua 1.5 and know that he's going to direct, sustain, and assure me of success. Now the journey. Um, there's one more tidbit I need to say here, is that Jesus did three things in his walk with God and people. He spoke the word, he maintained his priority, and he used his authority. 
These are important tools for us. But I say how, when, where, and what for. As I was saying before, um, the four things that really uh, got me moving in the direction of having a personal relationship with with God was to admit my deception. Deception means separation. Deception means that in my thinking, I'm deceived. Just like the Pharisees and the chief priests were whenever they they took Jesus to the cross. They were deceived through tradition, through uh, wanting to be in control, um, mainly tradition and religion uh, because um, it had a lot of money with it. And so um, that's what worldly things are all about. Uh, The uh, worldly things, I wanted both. And I've kind of been that way a lot of times in my life. I wanted both. I want the world and God. And, uh, and uh, I, um, I abused my body, mind, and spirit morally. Um, and then, like I said before, I would go to church the next day and repent. In First Corinthians, in Jeremiah, let's go to Jeremiah, because Jeremiah 37 is a real interesting scripture. I love it. I loved it. I just about laughed in my laughed in my chair last night when I was reading it. Jeremiah 30, 37. It was funny. I mean, I'd like to paraphrase it because what uh, Jeremiah 37, 9 says is that this is what the Lord says. Do not deceive yourselves thinking that Babylon will surely leave us. They will not. So this is, um, this is Jeremiah talking to the people and telling them that, hey, you think you've got it made in the shade. Uh, Babylon left. But I'm telling you right now, they're coming back, and they're going to take over. And see, that's the life that I lived, deception, for a long, long time. I I didn't think that anything was going to happen. You know, everything was just fine. I uh, went to church, and everything was just fine. But that's not what the Word says. The, uh, in 1 Corinthians 3.18, it says, Do not be, be deceivers of yourself. That, and in 1 John 1.8, it says, If you claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves in the truth. God's word is not in us. So I lived in deception. Now, how do we get to that position? Uh, and it's about the words that we speak or the words that were spoken to me. As a child who does not have a cognitive ability to understand what you're saying, sometimes uh, it, uh, uh, it, dis- it gets distorted in your mind. Uh, I'm, I'm a twin, and my brother's four minutes older than me, and I'm the good-looking one, and he's the tall one. So, you know, so that's how it is. And, uh, um, and when my mom used to introduce me, she would say, she's the extra one. And I did not take that as a favorable thing because I believed that I was a burden, that I wasn't meant to be born. And uh, my mom didn't know she was having twins. And so I came out, and they didn't have a name for me. Um, And um, my brother's name is Jerry, so they said, okay, we'll just name you Sherry. So that's how I got my name. I was named after my brother. 
which is just fine. I like it. The, uh, uh, so, so as we grew up, there were other deceptions that came to my, came into my mind and into my heart, is that I was a tomboy. So back in the 50s and 60s, we're talking pretty young, I was a tomboy. I thought God had made a mistake. I thought maybe my brother was supposed to be a girl and I was supposed to be a boy. Now, today's, in today's society, you probably would take me to the doctor and they would think about doing something that's not okay. God made me a woman. And uh, that's what he made me, a woman. And he made my brother a boy. So I'm grateful that I don't live in this day and time for children because they are confused. And the parents are even more confused. And it breaks my heart. Uh, I work with a network that uh, works with identity crises, and uh, I see it every day. And I read about it every day. So deception is a real horrible word. It's a, it's a really horrible, horrible, horrible thing to have. So I stayed in that deception a long time. And I wish I could say, but I can tell you this in, in, in real honesty, as I searched for love in all the wrong places. In all the wrong places. I mean, that song, you know, Searching for Love in All the Wrong Places. I did. Uh, through relationships with women and men and uh, uh, through whatever I could do to get control. Because I didn't have any control at home. Um, the, um, the situation there was, was not uh, compatible to that. Uh, even though we went to church every Sunday and, and did stuff. So... So, um, as I grew older and went into the service and, you know, and, and I'm still hearing these words of, oh, my brother's saying I'm going to be a homosexual. My mom is upset. Everybody's upset that I'm going to go into service and be something that I'm not. And so, I had never had a desire to be that. And uh, yet, the words were still there. Curiosity was there. Um, and so... Um, I uh, divorce myself and divorce. Divorce, what does divorce mean? It means we take action. It means we separate from each other. It means we're no longer together. Well, this is what I did with God. I said, I'm in control. You know, you can have this much of me, and I'm going to do the rest. And so I divorced. I stepped away from the truth. I did it my way. Um, and the definition of divorce is disunion. And I definitely had that. Romans 8. Romans 8. Romans 8. I love Romans 8. It's one of my favorite chapters, too. I mean, gosh, I, I can't tell you how many good chapters I had and how hard it was for me to pick out just a few, just a few necessary ones and... I can imagine what Preston goes through every week. It's like, oh my gosh. But Romans 8 says that, 35 says that, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardships, persecution, famine, or nakedness, or dangers of sword? It is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. 
No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Uh, I'll complete that in just a minute. Being separated means that I, I didn't have connection with my family or God. And uh, it was a life of isolation. It was a life of shame. It was a life that uh, back then it was not uh, okay to, to have an identity crisis or to be um, living with someone that wasn't married. And so um, I decided to get married. That'll solve everything. You know, that's my solution. That's my solution to my problem that I couldn't share with anybody, that I didn't know why I wanted to protect women. Um, now I know why I wanted to protect women, because they were not protected in my family. They were not respected. Uh, they were not, uh, they were not respected. So why would I want to be a woman, you know, when you're not respected? You know, I didn't want anything to do with, with uh, um, my uncles or my, or my um, family. So I um, lived a life without Christ and my family for a good while because of shame. Paul writes, he says that suffering does not separate believers from Christ, but actually carries them toward their ultimate goal. I was shocked to read this because I uh, thought that suffering um, was totally different. And God just showed me that uh, uh, I had to make a choice to live for Christ or die to sin, uh, that there's no in-between, and that we do suffer. You know, when, when I gave up all of my old friends and I turned that 180, whatever it is, whatever you do, when, like Preston talks, I, I started walking the other way. Well, that's what I did. I had to. It was, uh, it was really not a choice. I had uh, been in college in Denton, and there was a really neat, neat lady in church, and she loved the Lord. Oh, my gosh. Mar, uh, she was my best friend and my mentor for eight years. And she taught me about the love of Jesus Christ. She used to frustrate me to all heck because I, I wanted to rescue her and then, I, and then I wanted to help her. And she wanted just for me to know Jesus. And when I would have a problem and I would want her to fix it, she would tell me, go read Psalms for an hour and then call me. And it was like, oh, heck. You know, by that time, I was, you know, slain in the spirit, and I was, I was resting. I had no problem. There was no reason to call her back. And that was really about the, about the first time that I realized that, that, that I was really searching for Jesus. I was really searching for a personal relationship with Jesus. Um, and that's what she brought me to. And that's, where she, and that's where she told me, either you live for Christ or you die to sin. Either you give up all that other stuff or either you're going to live, you won't live in eternity. And um, like all a lot of people, when they read those scriptures that say God does not like immorality, doesn't like um, so, uh, slander or anything like that, all those things and homosexuality and all those things. Well, whenever, when we're deceived and we're di divorced, then, then we just kind of skip over that words, you know. 
because that doesn't pertain to me, you know, kind of thing. But, but I'm here to tell you that it does. I'm, I'm here to tell you that we have a merciful God, and he will not stop tapping us to change. He will not stop. I'm here to tell you right now that if he wants something done, he's going to tap until he gets done. And if you're convicted of something, you might as well go ahead and do it because you ain't going to be able to do nothing else till, till you do what he says. And there's several times that um, he did that because when my deliverance came, I sought the Lord. That's what I did, Psalms. I sought the Lord. Psalms 3.8 says, From the Lord comes deliverance. Humble ourselves before God and a spiritual parent or a life coach. Now, I put that life coach and spiritual parent in there because we are not alone. We are a, we are a community, just like Bill was saying, we're a community of believers. We're a community where we... I don't really like to use the word should, could, or would because that means that you have to do something. I would rather use that we are so in love with the Lord that we don't want to do anything else but help each other. And it's not because I have to, I want, or I should, or I could. It's because of the love of Jesus Christ. And... Um, And we can't get to that stage um, until the light is bright and the heat is raised. Meaning that whatever we're doing that's not okay for that Jesus says in the word, then he's going to put the heat on it and say, no, you can't do that. And I can tell you that it's a journey. First, it was my identity crisis. Then it was my codependency. Then it was my eating disorder which uh, I was bulimic and anorexic. And uh, um, the, uh, uh, he didn't deal with them all at the same time. He kind of he let me go through them one at a time, which I was really grateful because I think I would have been really in trouble if I had to deal with all of them at the same time. And see, that's the journey because we have a testimony. I have a testimony. You have a testimony. You know, this is what we're to share with people how Jesus saved us, how Jesus helped us, how Jesus loves us unconditionally. I mean, the, the, the hymns we sang today were right on target. He freed me. I love that song. He freed me. I have no shame anymore. I can share with other people what's going on with my life. I can share with somebody uh, when we talk about conviction, conviction of today or I'm convicted sometimes whenever I say something that I don't mean to say or do I have to go back and ask for forgiveness and, and tell them that I had no right to get into that because um, that's not my business and uh, God wants to touch us and heal us of all inf infirmaries um, and that means that he wants you to lay down some stuff you know it doesn't say, you know, uh, he, he doesn't go against our will. And uh, uh, so it was, uh, in, the, in the deliverance stage, it was, it was hard because I had to give up some stuff that, uh, that uh, I thought I couldn't do without. And one of them was self-control, manipulating, um, 
um, to name a few. Um, he doesn't want us to have any idols. You know, if there's something in your life right now that's an idol that you like more than you like to do with God, and then he's, he's, a, he's a very jealous God. He, he wants your time. He wants your prayers. He wants your prayers for the church. He wants your prayers for the city, for the nation, for the government, for the world. We're getting ready for a revival. This is not a time to be sitting and doing nothing. You know, and, and that's the reason I'm up here today, because I was listening to um, Hope Network, which is uh, uh, a program that uh, uh, deals with uh, what's going on with um, the identity crisis for children and for adults who want to have a change, and then they change their uh, core or who God made them. Uh, and uh, I was praying and asking the Lord, uh, I'm a prayer warrior, and that's what my mentor was, a prayer warrior. And so I know I'm a prayer warrior and I'm a teacher. I mean, God told me when I was in the Lutheran church back over there on Cypress Street, when I was uh, 12 years old, I was in confirmation. And he said, you're going to be a teacher. And I thought, oh, my gosh. Well, I try to be a teacher. No, I'm not a teacher. I'm a teacher in discipling. I'm a teacher. I'm a life coach. You know, there was a, another time in my life when, when God said, you're going back to school. And I said, oh, no way. They told me in high school that I was not college material. So I went to a vocational school and got my OVN and went in the service and came out, retired. Um, um, and uh, that was another one of God's deals that he wanted and to serve our country. And I'm privileged to do that. Um, but when God says you're going to do something, you know, he's going to start all over and do it again. I mean, he's going to do it till you do it. And uh, uh, I went to school for eight years and, and got my master's and did what he wanted me to do. My, my parents, I guess I'm the first one that went to college in the whole kit caboodle, I guess. But nobody else has that I know of. Um, so, so um, and I, I must tell you that when I went to college, I could not read or write. I had seventh grade level because we didn't learn phonics in school. So I had to go to language school for two years to learn how to read and write. And uh, God was so gracious. Uh, he sent a very special lady that helped me so that I could do what I needed to do. Deliverance means that I, I give up, start giving up my idols. Deliverance means a personal relationship with God. I testify. I accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I want him to be in control of my life. Um, and and he, will, he will get your attention. I remember one time I was praying, and, and I was driving down the road, and I was praying and asking God, how come, I'm not getting, how come I'm not getting any benefit from giving money to you, Lord? And he said, because you won't give me all of it. And I said, oh, okay, if I give you all of it, will you give it back or show me how to use it? And he said, yes, I will. I will, I will show you how to use it. But I was being very selfish with him. And he doesn't like that. He doesn't like selfishness. So in my testimony or in my deal, you know, like I said, this is a journey, and we have to go through a journey. And we have to have people helping us. Uh, we have to have people that are stronger in the spirit than we are. I have mentors. I still have, account I still have accountability partners. I still want to be closer to 
Jesus, I, I'm, not, I'm not as close as I want to be. And, I'm, I'm, and every, a lot of you know I'm not perfect by no means. And, uh, uh, and that I make mistakes. So um, what I had to do was I had to confess verbally to somebody else about what, what went on. I had to change forever. I could no longer be the same person. God wants all of us to be saved. He doesn't just want us that are in church. He wants everybody. I was t- touched yesterday because I knew that uh, uh, I wanted to um, communicate with a person that was at uh, the front porch. And uh, my friend, um, sister in Christ, she, uh, she beat me because I was still thinking about it instead of doing it and stuff. And so it just reminded me that we all have a role. I had been sitting there praying for him. And uh, he, he was a homeless person, and I was sitting there praying for him. So um, I don't know if I I'd, I'd prepared the way or if I did anything, really, but uh, my thoughts were, yeah, I'm going to buy him breakfast or I'm going to help him, see if he needs help. However, again, you know, maybe I'm just supposed to plant the seed and somebody else is supposed to do it is what it looked like to me. Um, but I was very honored to be with her and uh, to uh, share that share that with her and stuff. The um, deliverance part, like I say, took years. And uh, there is programs that I went through uh, to, to regain that, uh, that identity in Christ. Uh, Desert Stream is a ministry uh, out of California. It's a year-long ministry that I went through. Um, I've been through um, the highway, which is another ministry. There's different ones that really help. Um, there's um, one that we used to do at the federal prison for the ladies, which was commissioned by Johnson, um, the Foundations of um, Recovery. Um, and we'd go into the federal, federal pen at uh, Fort, Fort Worth, Carswell, and uh, minister to the ladies. Uh, but there's a lot of things that we can do individually and by a group to get closer to God. Um, that there's many of them. When we talk about divine living, that is, that is, that's the key right there, divine living. Living in his presence. Living in his presence. Today the songs were gorgeous. Uh, um, all of the music that is sung here ushers us into his throne room and gives Preston the floor to continue with, uh, with the uh, communion with Christ and the Holy Spirit, and to be directed by the Holy Spirit. Um, righteousness, peace, and joy. Um, I looked up kingdom of God because um, I remember when Richard and uh, the other pastors were here, and uh, I um, was studying, and I thought, what is the kingdom of God? You know, I wanted to find the definition. I wanted to find out where it was at. And uh, so I started reading the word, and I found out that the kingdom of God is in me. Righteousness, peace, and joy. That that's what divine life is all about. Righteousness, peace, and joy. So I um, went to look up last night the scriptures on righteousness, you know, peace, and joy, or look up the kingdom of God, uh, and just in my little back of my Bible, 
I counted over anywhere from 30 to 50 scriptures in the back of my Bible that talk about the kingdom of God. I was kind of shocked, you know, and stuff. And I thought, wow, we, man, I don't know which ones to choose for sure, you know, and stuff. And so I started reading and asking the Holy Spirit to show me because I wanted to, to, I wanted to give the right one. Um, and that's another thing that we do as Christians is that we go to the word. If you want to bring healing to somebody's heart and to somebody's life and to change their life, you start speaking the word. You start speaking the word. Who am I in Christ? Who is he in me? Start speaking positive. Start speaking the word every day into your life and into other people's life. Um, To judge means that you're not in love. You're not loving somebody. I think it's in Romans where it says that if we speak and say nothing, that it's like a a don, a a clamor or something... um, it's just wordless. And so what it means to me is that if I don't have the Holy Spirit and I don't have the word, then, then I'm not gonna, it's not going to mean nothing. And, and it's, not, it's not bad that we pray for other people or we pray with other people. It's good. However, the Lord wants us to include him in those words, like pray for them. I can remember saying, uh, I wanted to send birthday cards one year, and I said, okay, I'm going to send scriptures to people. I'm going to send one scripture to people. Well, God didn't say that. I said that. And he said, no, no, we're, you're going to send them several scriptures. This ain't going to be just a one-time deal. This is going to be four or five scriptures because he wants, he wants them to know him. He wants them to know that there's mercy and there's grace and that you can change. And that it's not impossible. Uh, It's not impossible. If I can change, it's not impossible. Yes, it's hard. It's not an easy road. Every day, every day we're in conflict because of the world. Um, In Luke 4, it talks about Luke 4, 43. Is that 4? 43. 43. 43 says, but he said, Jesus said, I must preach the good news of kingdom of God to other towns also because that is why I was sent. That's it right there. Our purpose in life. Our purpose in life right here says to preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other people, other towns, other nations. If we can't go and be there overseas or I wanted to go to North Carolina to the the conference, but I couldn't go. So what I did is I prayed for them. So there's always something we can do so that we can get other people um, prepared to do. So... So that's what God wants that. And then in Luke 9, he also says, let's see what Luke 9 says. Luke 9 was, Luke was full of stuff about what God wants. Uh, again, you know, it's kind of like, okay, what, what scripture do you want me to share with these lovely people? Uh, 9 2. 
take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, uh, no bread, no money, no extra tonic, tonic. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave the town. If the people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave their town and as a testimony against them. Yes, there are going to be people in our life that don't want to hear it. There's going to be people, there's people in my life and my family that don't want to hear it. They don't want to be around it, and they definitely don't uh, uh, like, you know, what I do sometimes. Um, I can give you an incident where when I received the Holy Spirit and I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, um, my, uh, um, one of my relatives used to harass me unmercifully all the time. He always had something to say that was uh, condemning or, or negative. And when I received the Holy Spirit, it was just like a balloon went around me, or a bubble went around me. And it was like uh, he never said anything else. It was like, what happened? And then God reminded me, you have the Holy Spirit now. You have authority. You have authority over that demon. You have authority over the demon that's in him. Not him, but over the demon or over the words spoken you don't have to receive them it's like if I throw you a ball you can take it or leave it you don't have to have it you know you can throw it back at me if you want to so so um, there are going to be people in our life that don't want to hear the good news that Jesus wants them and that he is hunting for them all the time you think you're being hunted let me tell you you are being hunted you're hunted by Satan and you're hunted by God. And Satan wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Well, God wants to bring life and eternity to you. And so you have to be on the offense, not the defense. You have to have the word in you. And that's why it's so important to read it every day, to study it every day, to be a part of it every day. Um, 10.9 says... Um, Heal the sick who, uh, nine, let's see. When you enter a town and are welcome, eat. Okay, again, uh, the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter the town and you're not welcome, then you're to leave. Um, but again, he says down, just a little further down, he says the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day for Sodom than for that town. Uh, I don't want to be that town. You know, I want to be a town that God would say, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. We're going to have a revival right here, right here in Champions. I'm coming. But how do we prepare ourselves? To be in the Word, study, share with each other, um, cry with each other, joy with each other. Um, to know we're not by ourselves. To know that somebody cares about us enough to listen to us. Um, Acts 14 22 says, um, it's a return to Antiochia and Surreal. They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to about three different places, strengthened the disciples, and encouraged them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each of the churches 
and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. And, and, and that's what uh, we do, I hope we do here, is that we, uh, we edify to the point that, that you feel comfortable enough to embrace the offensive, offensive stand when it comes to sharing the word. Revelations 12.10, one of the last ones that I'll be sharing. Let's see, Revelation, last book in the Bible. 12.10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ. For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night have been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore, rejoice, you heavens, and you will dwell in them. Um, but woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down uh, to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. So there is a heaven and a hell. And I encourage all of you, if, and I know that a lot of you and all of you know the Lord. And... Uh, um, if you don't, I would hope that you would pray with one of us and uh, receive him and change your life. It's a, it's a change. It's a, a life change. It, it, there's, no, there's no question. It's a life change. Remember whenever I was reading from Romans and I, and I told you I'd come back to you? Well, I'm going to go back to it real quick because I have just a few more little scriptures here. It says... No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. It doesn't say that him who accepted us or him that might. You know, it says him that loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the presence nor the future nor the powers, neither height nor death nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I received that. I received that. And that's what we have to do. We have to learn how to say, I received that, Lord. I received that. You know, I received that. I received that word that somebody gave me. You know, then we're saying we have ownership of it. Um, Titus 1, 1, uh, Titus, Titus. Let me go to Titus real quick. Anybody have Titus? You have Titus? You have Titus in your Bible? No, I do too, but I don't know. I'm trying to find it right now. You got it? Anybody got Titus 1, 7 through 9? Huh? Titus. Titus 1. You have it? You want to read it out? Wait, let me come over there. Read it out loud. Yeah. For a bishop must be blameless 
as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. Amen. 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 Uh, as I close, I, I, I said I was closing about 10 minutes ago. That's, uh, pastors do that sometimes, don't they? Hmm. Now I know why. Because they always have one more that they think that they need to, uh, don't think, they know they need to share. So we're going to 2 Corinthians 13. 2 Corinthians 13. This is a prayer that I, I pray for, for y'all today. And I know that Bill's going to come back up and pray too. However, like I said before, the, the word of God is very important. And in this verse right here is the final greeting. And uh, um, it says, um, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Every day, all the time. And, and that's my prayer for y'all, is that, that the three in one will be with us and will guide us and protect us and restore us and get us ready because I'm telling you, there's going to be a revival. And it's going to be tremendous. And we have to be ready with the word. We have to be ready with our purity of heart. Uh, toward God and others, and uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Like the, the hymns today were so great. They were great, and I appreciate y'all and your music. Thank you. That's it. Yep. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry. <clears throat> Sherry end, ended there with a note about revival, and it's kind of interesting. It seems to be. Revival's kind of on everybody's mind lately. And, you know, revival is something that uh, our brother Doug couldn't be at uh, men's breakfast Saturday. But he, uh, he texted a little thing about revival. He said, he said, you know, that we should probably talk about revival. And we did. And some interesting things came out of that. And... Uh, you know, not only the importance of, of revival, but the need for revival in the church and the church at large. Uh, because revival isn't like a program, you know, like let's have a revival service, you know, and we'll wake everybody up, you know, so you start on Monday and you end on Friday. Revival is a process. It starts here. It starts in the heart. It starts with individuals. And it starts with a lot of prayer. You know, there's been many revivals over, over hundreds of years, uh, including the one that started in the book of Acts, which Sherry talked about. But, you know, like the Azusa Street Revival in California, it started with a lot of prayer. There was a lot of prayer went before that even broke loose. And when it broke loose, it covered the whole country. And thousands upon thousands of people came to Jesus. And... 
And then it seemed like we went into kind of a sleepy period, but then the charismatic renewal came along, and another revival swept the country. And that's the one that caught me up and got me saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And, but uh, when, you, when you look at the book of Acts, and the, first, the whole first chapter of, of the book of Acts, uh, you know, Jesus is giving some instruction to, to his disciples to go, uh, prior to this, to go uh, to that upper room and wait. And that's one of the hardest things we can do is wait. And so he told them, go up there, go to the upper room and wait. And so while they were there, you know, they tended to some business. They were, they were breaking bread with one another. They were in prayer together and, and waiting upon the promise that Jesus had promised them. And so they're in there praying, and, uh, and in, out of that process, uh, earlier in this scripture, it talked about uh, a, a scripture that said that uh, when Judas betrayed Jesus, that he would that he would perish, and and receive his just reward, but that another would be appointed in his place. And during this time in the first chapter of Acts, the disciples got together, drew lots, and and Matthias was added to the twelve. So there was still twelve, and so they weren't just sitting around playing cards and waiting for something to happen, you know. So during that time. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes in, and we, we all know the scriptures, the rushing wind and the tongues of fire, and, and just a lot of, of miracles just all of a sudden burst forth. And all the people in the city, and I, I looked through that, and it was like 17 that they, that they mentioned, probably different languages that people in the city were talking at, speaking at that time. And while they were... Uh, Doing that, then all of a sudden the people said, well, these people are drunk. And then Peter preached, you know, Peter the fisherman who denied Christ and uh, who had no education, no formal education in the word. But all of a sudden out of Peter comes through the Holy Spirit this amazing message. And he's quoting the prophet of Joel and he's quoting the writings of David. And 3,000 people are saved right there. And they said, what must, you do? what must we do to be saved? And they said, believe and be baptized and you'll be filled with the Spirit and, and serve the Lord. And so these things were happening and miracles were happening. But you know, it seems like the church at large has gone to sleep. And we need to wake up, you know, not just those churches out there, our church. Everybody, the, when I was saying before, you know, Jesus is coming back for his church, his church, not his churches, his church, the people who's, who Christ is living in their hearts. And that, that power of revival that comes breaks loose only when people begin to pray and to pray and to pray and to pray. That brought that, I was reading a thing over in Dallas on the, the Browns, Brownsville revival, and there was a pastor who was instrumental in that, and it said that for five years he fasted and prayed before the Lord before anything ever started to happen. And we wonder why revival doesn't break out in Abilene. It's because the church is not praying. 
you know, Jesus in the garden said, was, was praying and he got up to check on his disciples. He comes and looks at them and they're all laid out sleeping. And what does he say to them? Can't you pray with me one hour? One hour. You know, and we think about that, you know, all the hours that we have and we get the pull of the world here and the pull of the world there and we don't spend one hour praying before the Lord and asking God to let his spirit fall upon the churches and break out in revival. And I think that's something that God is challenging me to do, is to pray one hour. I got 24 of those hours every day. One of those I should be able to give to the Lord and say, I'll go on my knees before the Lord, and for one hour, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that God breaks out, that the Holy Spirit falls upon churches in this city and revival breaks out in this city. And it can happen because it can start in this church if every one of us would pray one hour. So Father, we just lift up this time that you've given us this morning. We thank you for your presence here. We thank you, Lord, that you do speak through us, even us who are, are not unlearned or are not highly educated, but still you use us, Lord, in mighty ways. So we just ask, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit upon this congregation, that you would etch in our hearts, Lord, that longing that you have for us to come before you and develop our relationship with you so that you might pour out your spirit here and bless your church and bless your people. But not only that, that we would receive that power that you promised in Acts 1.8. That power, that word power in Acts 1.8 is dunamis, and that word is what we get dynamite from. That's the kind of power that God promised, explosive power that would spread his gospel throughout the world. So we just ask, Lord, that you would do that for us, that you would place that power within us, that desire within us, to pour out your spirit within us to a point where it flow, he flows through us and into the lives of other people, Lord. Give us a boldness that we might share Jesus with those we come across. Help us to be vigilant and, and look upon the faces of people as we move around this city, Lord. Help us to see the lives of people and, and the, the paths that they're traveling. And if it be, Lord, cause us to speak into the lives of people who might be searching for something, and they'll find Jesus. So we give you thanks, we honor you, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at championschurch.com.